Hey everyone, thank you for joining episode 20 of The Green Life. Today's episode is really uplifting and I have an amazing guest, so sweet, and I really love what she does. Her name is Kim Campbell. Kim is the wife of Plant Your Nation executive producer and director Nelson Campbell as well as the daughter-in-law of Dr. T, Colin Campbell. And I kind of have a soft spot for the family, as you know, so I'm really happy to speak to her. Kim is an author of two amazing cookbooks, one which has the title of the same documentary a husband produced, Plant Your Nation, the other one is Plant Pure Kitchen. Kim is also the creative director for all the recipes on the Plant Pure Nation website and we're going to discuss today all about food but also the amazing project that Plant Pure Nation does and what they're working towards. One which is really cool and I love supporting which is how they look after communities which don't have access generally to healthy food. So without further ado we're going to really enjoy this chat. Welcome Kim. Hi, Kim. Thank you so much for joining The Green Life today. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Chantal? I'm great. Thank you. I'm so excited that you're here. I am really a fan of the documentary and I'm a fan of the work that your father-in-law does and your books look amazing and all the recipes on Plump Your Nation look amazing and I know you are the author of them. So I'm really excited to speak to you, especially because I'm a foodie. <laughs> so it's really good. Um, but before, I'd like to actually start uh, the episode talking about your journey. So if you don't mind just taking me how you got into plant-based living and how you got into, you know, cooking and how you got this passion for plant-based food. Oh, you're going to date me, Chantal, because I'm going to take you way back. <laughs> so uh, Nelson and I met in high school a um, long time ago, and we've been married over 30, 35 years. Um, so when I first met Nelson, Colin, his father, Dr. Campbell, was doing his research in China and was bringing all this data back about, you know, what he was learning about cancer and nutrition. And it was fascinating. And, you know, at that point, there was no, there, there was no China study cookbook. There was no forks over knives or anything like that. I was really interested in what he was doing. I always had a passion for food and nutrition. So I went on to college and studied dietetics for about two years and got became very disillusioned with the programs that were available for nutrition because it was just standard American diet for food groups all the way. Um, so I dropped out of that, got into education and became a teacher. Nelson and I got married, had three children. I'm fast forwarding a little bit. And, you know, we, I don't want, you know, people have asked me, when did you go plant-based? I didn't go plant-based one day. It was sort of a journey and, and we dabbled in it. And I remember when we were first married, putting little pieces of cheese or, or meat on in our food, thinking that I was garnishing it and it was okay. And then when we started having children in 1991 was when I got pregnant with my first child. That's when we got really serious and got rid of all the dairy and all the meat. And I can't say we didn't get rid of all the processed oils and things like that. Again, that was that journey. So um, then we became, I, I taught school, stayed home with the kids for a long time, you know, raised them. And then about, this was like 13, 14 years ago, we decided to go into the community and put them on a plant-based diet. We hired a chef to help me for 10 days, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, everything. And we did biometrics in the beginning. And then we did biometrics at the end and it, the results were amazing. The first time out, I thought, oh, 
I don't know if it's going to change in 10 days, but it changed and changed significantly. So we kept doing more and more jump starts. And pretty soon we had hundreds of people in our community that had gone through the jump starts. So Nelson thought we have a film. So we decided to film it. Um, he was also at that point trying to pass some legislation in Kentucky. And the film goes into our jump starts. It goes into the legislation. And really, Plant Pure Nation is, is it's about the health benefits, but it's to me, it's more about why we don't know this information. So, you know, you go into the floor of the Kentucky legislature and you discover um, we had a we had a piece of legislation that said basically eating a primarily plant-based diet is optimal. They would, well, I don't want to tell how it went, but in the movie, you can actually see how they voted, what their commentaries were as they were um, prior to voting. It was fascinating. So um, right now we're doing a sequel to Plant Pure Nation. So there's more information to share. So I think I just kind of blew it all out there in about five seconds, but that's, that's sort of our journey. And now we are still in, into education. We do jump starts. We have a foods business. Plant Pure Nation is the food business. Um, so we have frozen food. We have a dry line. We had a call to action in the film to start pods and connect with each other in our community because we're both really passionate about grassroots um, change. That's where it really has to happen. So we formed pods. Pods are in our plant, our plantyourcommunity.org. Um, that's our nonprofit arm. So if you are in a community, you want to start a pod or you want to join a pod, you can go on that website and you can find local pods nearby. And we have hundreds of pods all across the country and we have pods that go all across the, the globe, which is kind of neat. Oh, that um, is amazing. Yeah, yeah. So that Nelson and I were really passionate about that. So we kind of have he kind of has his fingers in a lot of things, you know, creating films and, you know, working with pods, um, our food, our food uh, line. And that's where I come in. I've written cookbooks, I wrote two cookbooks. And I did it mainly because I wanted to be a resource. So many people who were going through the Jumpstarts really wanted recipes and a resource. So I, I wrote the first cookbook while Nelson was in Kentucky filming. Um, and then I wrote a second one. And now I have a third one coming out because I'm kind of a foodie. <laughs> and I've been cooking ever since I was a kid. I've really enjoyed it. So um, that's, that's an, an education. I love teaching culinary. I was behind a lot of the meals that are currently available in our frozen line and our dry line. Brilliant. So. Um, I can totally relate to being a foodie and also cooking as a child because my grandmother was such a good cook. And um, I was really lucky that we grew up in an Italian family where, you know, she made everything from scratch. So, uh, you know, although it wasn't plant-based and probably too much of the not so good things that I know about now, it still was real food that was on our plates versus a lot of kids that grew up with nothing and I uh, with not access to uh, to real food and they really have to rely on processed food so you know those food deserts that uh, mm -hmm. are very um, prominent in some areas especially in the US this is more um, a US issue than a European one because of the I think the culture that we have in Europe that is quite oriented around uh, food and the availability of um, farms that are it's quite prevalent but in the U.S. it's a little different and I actually like to um, go back to the beginning of the of the documentary where 
the first images were about the guidelines that the government were pushing. So obviously the news were reporting on that saying, all good guys, you can keep on having your eggs and your oils and, you know, don't exotic oils. In fact, even um, don't worry about saturated fat is all good for you. And it baffles me that this information is pushed on mainstream when the science does not back it. Or at least, you know, if you're not sure of what you're talking about, and I'm talking about the, the news anchors, especially, then, and you have these two very opposite kind of um, resources that share, that one side says, look, having oils is not good for you, and especially saturated fats. And then the other side saying, no, it's all good because it's sponsored by the industry, then, you know, don't report on them. Like be at least ethical enough not to report on it or report with these kind of disclaimers with it. But instead there's nothing of, none of that. And I think you segue in the fact that in Kentucky, in the first documentary, that was one of the things that was coming up. People's response was very defensive. And then it, come to find out that a lot of people were actually sponsored by industry. So they were really lobbying for um, the paycheck uh, providers. Um, and, um, you know, and I, I think it's really important to understand this because I, I was speaking to, doc, uh, to Professor uh, Marion Nessel last week and uh, um, it's, it's an interesting dynamic between corporation and government. And a lot of people don't actually realize that that relationship um, is the source or the foundation for policies that are around food and not always they benefit um, the, the people, the consumers. So when, when you made the documentary, when you were working on the documentaries, you and Nelson, um, what was the biggest pushback aside from the Kentucky situation, but did you get other pushback from other institutions or people that heard that this was coming up? Well, it was interesting when they, when they were getting ready to vote, um, there were people moving around and talking to other people, trying to uh, convince them that this was not the optimal piece of legislation. Because I think, I don't know if people, you, you just said it beautifully. I don't think people realize, realize, lots of people don't realize that so much of our policy and our legislation is dictated by corporate America, whether it's, and you know, Kentucky is very uh, he heavily um, agriculture based. And so I think that was the influence that Nelson was pushing against. Um, so I, you know, this night is, I'm very naive. I thought that the legislation would pass. I was just like, this is gonna pass, no big deal. And when it didn't, um, that really, really shocked me. So I don't, I don't think people understand that most of the research that we're presented with, whether it's on the media, whether it's um, on social media, if you really dig deep and you look at the fine print, you realize where that research comes from. It doesn't come from um, reliable sources. And there are very few reliable sources left. Um, yeah. a, lot, a lot of our research is, is um, put out by industry. Um, you know, pharmaceutical industry, that's, that's, there's another perfect example. All the research that they're doing is um, done by them. Yeah, absolutely. And um, while well, we've seen this in the last two years, I guess, where the, even the research that they do is not so much, it's not even really kind of uh, checked properly by government agencies that are supposed to pass their safety guard, the safety, you know, for people to use. And so this has been a really big shakeup, in my opinion. But sadly, again, 
Um, I think especially when people are confused and I really believe that the, the more people don't eat right, the more they are really unable, their bodies are unable to create these connections. Um, it becomes really easy to manipulate them. And especially when you're afraid of something, you want to know more. And the only resource you have to even know information comes from controlled media. Um, it becomes very hard to have a different opinion. So we be, we become uh, almost cookie uh, cut pay, you know of each other so it's it's not um you you have to be a very strong mind to go against the the grind and try to really expose uh falsehood in a way that doesn't is not judge judged as conspiratorial because now everything you say against you know what the government does is like, oh you're a, you're a you know tinfoil hat i'm like no i'm just seeing these connections um but food is a very prominent thing and, and the thing is that we all have to eat right Mm -hmm. And that's a primary need and a primary um, want as well, because our social uh, social life is so evolved around our food, uh, with our families, with our friends. So really, the right to have access to good food is um, is necessary. So if you don't mind me segueing into your nonprofit first, we're going to talk about your pods and and the and the food that you created. Because I remember um, from a few interviews. Nelson mentioned that a lot of the food that was created to get people's kickstarted with the packs was actually not for profit either. It was really a cost, which is something that not many companies would do. So that's something admirable that I think, you know, good. Thank you for doing that because then people have access to different things that are good and delicious and they, they know how to access them instead of trying to guess. Um, so if you can take me through the process of creating that, and also obviously you created the recipes for the packs. So it'd be nice to know how you got into that. Right. And our goal for the packs was to create things that were, and we can talk about this more later, but create things that are familiar and comfortable for people. Because again, a lot of what we eat is based on traditions, based on habit. And it's hard, it's almost impossible to change some of those traditional habits, um, just in terms of what flavors we enjoy. So we tried to recreate that with dry packs. We tried to keep it simple so that people would just add maybe two ingredients, maybe some water, kind of like a, think about a macaroni and cheese pack where you add butter and you add a little bit of milk and you have mac and cheese, which we have a mac and cheese. Um, so creating really good comfort foods um, and making it really simple for people because food and cooking is a lost art. You know that people don't cook anymore. I mean, our mm -hmm. children are not being really, really invited into the kitchen to learn how to cook because everybody's so busy and that's become truly a lost art. So we had to kind of go with what people are currently doing. As much as I'd love to get people to cook more, you know, that's not going to happen. So if we could create a line where people can cook healthy and cook, you know, simple without having a lot of ingredients and not a lot of strange ingredients. So we put the strange ingredients into the pack and then you just have to add a few simple ingredients. So, um, so that was our goal to keep them inexpensive, uh, to keep them relatively, even they're healthy, they're all whole food plant-based, um, so, so yeah, that's, and that's not easy because I was creating all the dry ingredients and we had to do them over and over to make sure that things were thickening, that things were not too salty, but salty enough that had a little bit of, you know, citrus. And that, that is a real trick when you're creating a dry line. So. I bet. I bet. Um, and it's actually, it's fascinating. It's like being a little chemist in the kitchen. <laughs> I feel like 
in my kitchen. I'm working on something this afternoon, but yeah, you do. You get all your ingredients out and you're a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and then you make it and then it does, it's not right. You make it again and again and again. So, so that's what I love to do. It's the food science part of it. Uh, I think it's really fascinating, but, but making this easy for people, because I think as people transition into a whole food plant-based lifestyle, they don't know where to start. And it's so much more than a salad. And a lot of people think we eat potatoes and salad and we eat so much more than that. So teaching people, you know, how to um, cook a variety of foods and find those foods that sort of mesh with what, with what they're used to. Amazing. And how, how was the, the, the reaction to the line? Um, it was, it was pretty good. You know, I think our, our weakness is marketing. So getting the information out there so people know that we have a dry line and we're always work, working to tweak it and change it and make it better. So we're still doing that. But just getting the word out there that we have these dry packs that you can buy them on plantpurenation.com. That, that is, you know, we don't have, those are not in the supermarket. Our frozen line is at Publix and Lowe's and we're talking to Wegmans, um, some other companies. So that that's easy to park it because it's just there, but the dry line is not. So that, that probably been our, our biggest, um, you know, disappointment is marketing. Yeah. It is hard to market because mm -hmm. especially if you don't have a massive budget for a big agency. Yes. Um, and you know, now the algorithms are very much streamlined towards big bucks. So it's really, uh, it's challenging. I completely can relate to that. And I hear it from a lot of entrepreneurs that this is a problem when they're starting their business. Um, But this is why we have things like this podcast that hopefully can share more and more. And I think it's brilliant to have that because people, as you said, will want convenience. will want to navigate towards something they're familiar with, so they're comfortable. They don't feel intimidated when they put it together. And um, this approach is really the best way, you know, to get to get started. Mm -hmm. um, when when the pods get going, so when you have people having the pods in their communities, are those um, packs available to them or, um, or yes. do you promote them? Yeah, yeah, we we, um, we promote them a little bit on the on the pod. Well, the pods are aware of them. We can't really promote them through our nonprofit because it's a your nation um, is the foods business and that is a for profit and then plant your communities as a nonprofit. So, but our pods are, are, they are aware of many of our pod members promote them to each other, so, which is, which is great. Um, yeah. And we have a lot of active pods. The other trick is that our, um, our pod community, you know, during the pandemic, people weren't going out, they were doing this, they were doing virtual things. So I think that that, that hurt a little bit because a lot of people don't want to do virtual and they haven't gotten back to their pod meetings um, in person. So that's been a little bit challenging. I hope people get back to it. And we, we've had pod meet in-person pod meetings and Chapel Hills still doing virtual. So hopefully we'll, we'll move back to that time. I hope so. Because one thing that happened through the pandemic is that a lot of people started gaining weight and eating unhealthy food. And it's so easy, as we were talking before the show, that to fall off the wagon and um, lose sight of what is our real habit that makes us feel good. And of course, it's a, you know it's a catch twenty two. When you start feeling bad, you keep on doing the same thing, and you just don't feel better. So even that that need or that um, excitement to get back on a healthy lifestyle can be challenging. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I experienced it myself. We weren't going out to eat. We weren't doing anything. So, you know, we were having 
fun food at times because I felt like I deserve this, right? I haven't gone out. I haven't been with friends. So we, you know, you, you have a little bit of plant-based vegan cheese, which is not optimal, but you know, you do a little bit more of that and it, it's kind of a sneaky thing because the more you do, the, the more you want. And we weren't, I wasn't exercising like I'm like I was pre pandemic. So that, that hurt me a lot. We, I wasn't going to the gym. The gym was closed. So, mm-hmm. um, and the walking probably wasn't as, as regular as usual. So yeah, I think we all experienced that. I experienced it. So, um, I think getting back, getting back on track with food and really look, taking a deep look at, at what we're doing is, is important. Amazing. Now, I know these pods are very popular in the US and you mentioned you have some abroad. Do you know where uh, around the globe they're positioned? I mean, I'm in Europe, so I don't know if anything is happening here. Yeah, we, we have some pods. We have pods in Europe. We have pods in England. We have pods in New Zealand. We have pods in Australia. Um, yeah, all, all pretty much all over. I, I couldn't tell you unless I had the map, but it's, it's really interesting because people will message me or, you know, they're watching one of our cook along shows from some very far away place. So yeah, we're, we're, we're all over Ireland. Um, yeah, pretty much everywhere. Amazing. I'm going to have to check them out because I think a lot of people can benefit from here, from that to here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I live in Portugal at the moment. And so um, I, the, the culture here is very meat heavy um, mm-hmm. and very fat heavy. And actually, I would like to talk to you about fats because obviously something that comes up a lot, but um, I'm not talking about whole fats, though. I'm talking about refined oils. And although they do have good olive oil and they bathe in olive oil pretty much. They're very anointed in that. Um, they, they will consume it. And it's really, um, it's really common to see middle-aged men who are overweight and have, um, you know, uh, they don't look healthy. And uh, a lot of the aging population have a lot of chronic diseases that are all lifestyle related. Um, but yet, you know, and, and, and as we discussed, this is everywhere, I guess it's, the pharmaceutical companies are very powerful. So doctors are not trained in nutrition, nor they actually question. And so they just keep on giving pills to their, um, to the patients and uh, managing their disease, but not really curing them, but they don't really know. They don't know better. The, even the people don't know better. So then question. Right. So I have a story, I won't name names, but we have a friend um, who, who does some work for us. And he was having a lot of heart issues, um, just not feeling himself, just feeling, you know, weaker and just didn't have the energy level. So he went to the doctor and they found out he had a blockage and they did it. They put a stent in and opened up the blockage and he felt a hundred percent better afterwards. So of course we started talking to him about what we do and, you know, plant-based nutrition and shared um, Collins, the China study book, his research. And he kind of listened he nodded and I said, well, I'd be happy to help you. And, you know, his wife's a great cook and, but he wasn't really interested because <laughs> a few, a few weeks later, I asked him how it was going. Well, you know, he wasn't sure if he could really dive in hundred percent, but he's eating more vegetables. And I think the story there is that the procedure or the drug cured the problem temporarily. So you feel good, right? You take the pill, you have the procedure and you feel good. So all is good but it will come back. Mm. And I think, and I, my own father had some of these issues. And at what point do they say, I, I, I'm all in, I, I really want to do this. How many times do you have to have a cancer diagnosis or a blockage 
How many times? Because they're not talking to patients about preventative. That 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 not, that doesn't go on. So it's really frustrating because you know I see the commercials for pharmaceutical ads, and, and I know people who've had procedures, but in the end, it it doesn't solve the problem. You can only take diabetic meds for so long, and you're going to have long-term problems. So oh, don't even get me going. It's <laughs> so frustrating. Very, and I hear you. Um, my husband is from New York, and there are only two countries in the in the world that actually have pharmaceutical companies being able to market on um, to advertising online on on TV, and that's the U.S. and New Zealand. So when we go and visit, or when we used to go and visit his um, his mom in New York, um, I if the TV was on and adverts about or whatever and then at the end of the ad you have this very soft quick the quickest voice ever telling you all the side effects but i mean at speed of light and i'm like hold on do people not catch this it's like she just basically told you you can die (laughs) so why would you even take this and um, people who are putting produce in their basket they look like they're fit and they're they're exercising but that's not really (laughs) that's not really the, the case so yeah, it's very, it's very, very frustrating, but you know, so we try to do our part, you know, usually with that very softly, if we know somebody who we feel like is struggling, um, you know, we, I, I'll say, you know, Hey, I, if you're interested, I'm happy to help you. I just had a lady the other day and she wasn't interested. She said she did everything the way she, you know, she ate well, she was exercising. So I, I didn't say anything, but then there was another lady who cuts my hair and I mentioned it to her because she was having health problems and she was all about it. She's been emailing me. I gave her a cookbook. She's doing it. So, you know, some people are just really open to it and others, you know, the, the drugs or the procedures are working and they're okay with that. So yeah. I, you know, I don't know what the answer is and I don't know the psychology behind it. It's, it's uh, kind of fascinating actually. It is. It's a very good anthropology study <laughs> actually. Um, but it's uh, yeah. Yeah. We are, we always want the silver bullet and, uh, and, you know, I think um, I was talking to a doctor um, that was on, on my podcast talking about cancer a few, a few episodes ago. And he said, you know, the problem is also people don't want to really admit that it's their fault and not in a bad way as in you guilty, but you are responsible for uh, what is happening. But that's empowering because then you have control to change it. But people will see that as an attack on, on their choices and be like, oh, I'm failing. You know, and nobody likes to fail. So uh, I think that is that little element, and which is why, you know, Big Pharma is so powerful because they are like, don't worry about it. It's not your fault. I have the solution for you. And, mm-hmm. um, and it goes really down from there. But and, and equally, when it comes to food, the, the marketing of food is really misleading. The, you know, the, 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 the labeling is really misleading. And so people, unless you really take the time to study and educate yourself, it's really confusing to see this. And of course, now we have to find the sources that we trust. And that's another challenge, right? Um, so I wanted to ask you to you about fats uh, related to what's happening in Europe here. Do the meals contain oils? No, we don't use any oils in our products. Um, I the dry line has absolutely no added oils at all. Um, in the frozen line, we have some burritos where we do use very, very minimal amounts of um, plant-based cheeses, but no, no, no oils. And you know, people don't realize that you don't really need oils. You can use the whole nut, grind it up. You want to make a dressing and you want to make it creamy and thick. 
throw some cashews in there. Um, you know, the whole nuts, nut butters, uh, avocados, even a little bit of coconut milk now and then just to flavor something. You don't really need all those oils. And I think when you get away from that and then you come back to it, you realize, oh, you know, you don't feel good. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of added calories, um, empty calories. So, yeah, I believe one, uh, one tablespoon is about 120. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So we, you know, I don't use, I mean, I think I have a little spray thing in my kitchen. Um, occasionally if I need to spray a waffle iron or something, I might do that. Um, I have a little bit of sesame oil that maybe occasionally I'll use, but I usually have to throw out any oils and replace it because they go bad before I even use them all up. But I, I, it's, it's a, it's the last thing that people give up when they go whole food plant-based the last thing, because oil has been olive oil and sesame oil, they have been sort of um, admired and, you know, like where you're at, I mean, oil is, they bathe in it, right? (laughs) So yeah, people don't realize you just don't need that for cooking. And it makes such a mess out of your kitchen. It It's sticky. It makes things smell. It's just, to me, it's, it's kind of dirty. Um, So we, we just don't use it here. I, I can relate and I'm guilty of that. The last thing I gave up, um, interestingly, because I had this emotional connection to olive oil being like that I grew up with it, obviously. And I thought I always heard it's so good for you. And so I really couldn't wrap my head around it until again, going back to literature and going back to actually getting myself healthy again after falling a little bit off um, and thinking, it's true. Why am I having something that is extracted from a whole food when I actually have, the, I can have the whole food, which comes with so many compounds that together with that fat make a lot of sense in the body, but just extracting the fat and putting it in the body causes havoc because you don't have all the other elements. So, and oh my gosh, washing the dishes, it's like a delight now because nothing is, <laughs> the, nothing is slippery. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So very excited. Very messy in the kitchen. Um, you know, I've seen people fry and I think, oh. but, but on another, when, when I'm talking about oils, I, I want to go here a little bit because I think we also have an extremeness. Um, I think in our community, whole food plant-based community, you know, we, we've cut out all oils. Some people have actually cut out salts and sugars. And I think that a little bit now and then, Um, And I know that, you know, some people think you can't have a little bit, but if you want to go out to eat and there's oil on your food, I think it's probably okay. (laughs) I think, you know, using things sparingly instead of being so extreme, um, I think it, it almost becomes like like a, an obsession. (laughs) And I, and I, I think when we don't have a good relationship with our food and we become obsessed about things, it, it just, I don't know, it just creates a, a negativity around food and you don't want to do that. You know, when you go to pod meetings and people bring a dish to pass and somebody brings something that has oil in it, well, you know, that's okay. They're learning too. And, you know, I, I but I, I do see some of this extremism that happens as people start to get better and they start to heal, you know, they're in a different place than the people that are just starting. So always remember where people are coming from and being uh, sensitive to that, I guess, is what I'm saying. So, you know, being a little bit forgiving of yourself and of others. I don't know if I said that correctly, but. <laughs> no, you yeah. did, and it makes sense. In fact, you know, sometimes we go out for dinner and 
you know, sometimes I have friends that have restaurants and I can be like, hey, do you mind not adding extra oil on top? And just, you know, I know you cooked it already and I know you cook with oil, it's fine. Um, I can do that. But of course, you're going to have to be lenient. Otherwise, everything is going to become impossible to do, you know, mm-hmm. and like eat at home for the rest of your life. I mean, I had a conversation with a doctor. I'm not going to mention him, but um, it is quite extreme. And, uh, you know, he believes we can live on potatoes. <laughs> like, yeah, potatoes are great. But I think you need some more stuff other than potatoes. <laughs> so sustainable. I mean, you, you long term, I think you have to you have to be a, a you have to give have a little bit of give, mm-hmm. and I and I know people who who do they they pack their food when they go places they make their own food and that's great good for them, and um, you know I cook a lot at home and we take food too but I think being being a little bit forgiving we just had a big celebration our daughter got married a couple of weeks ago and there was oil in the food. There was oil in the food. I mean, you, you can't, it's almost impossible to go to a restaurant without having some oil in the food. So if you are that person who has heart disease or you have a chronic condition and you have to be pure all the time, then I totally get that. But I think um, being a little bit forgiving of people and not judging other people for what they do. And I think using a little bit of salt and a little bit of sugar or maple syrup to season things is okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I agree. Um, what is your favorite recipe? Oh, I, I, I don't even know if I can say because I, I, I love food and I've been cooking for so long that I don't know if I could say but I will tell you that my comfort food, if I'm having a week where I just just want to just relax because it's been stressful, it's always pizza. Always, always. <laughs> I, I like homemade pizza I, better, better than going anywhere else. I like mm. to make my own pizza. I like Indian food, but I don't like to go out to eat at Indian restaurants because they are probably one of the worst in terms of oil. So um, I make my own. We have a pollock paneer here that I love. Um, but I, I pretty much like traditional foods. And I think it's because I grew up in a traditional family. And those flavors and those things that I enjoyed are still stuck, <laughs> which is why I'm so passionate about teaching people to take what you what you do and just change it a little bit. And don't you don't have to change everything. Um, if you're eating, my father loved spaghetti and meatballs, so I made spaghetti and veggie balls. Or he liked mushrooms on them, so he he was okay doing that. But I think it's it's I, this third cookbook I'm write, writing is called Plant Pure Comfort, and that's really what it's about. It's it's keeping things the same because I think as people change it's really hard to make all those changes and then you're asking them to change the flavors too this mm. is hard <laughs> yeah I'm the same with my clients I always say look you have your favorite dishes keep on making them the only thing you have to change is the the protein right like if you're using meat use chickpeas or beans and see or tofu and experiment with that but keep the flavors the same then if they like it, then maybe we can change a couple of things like, okay, less oil. If you're cooking with oil, maybe don't fry, just saute and just try to tweak it as they become more comfortable. Otherwise they just, they, they become so petrified by the change. They won't do it. And then right. you're not really doing anybody a favor. Right. Right. But, and I think too, the more people uh, do this, the more adventurous they get. We did, mm-hmm. we did jumpstart in Greensboro, which is actually going to be in our film, but we had, several diabetics in the program and we first night in 
we had lasagna. I'm like, okay, let's give them something they, they're familiar with. They loved it. So then we, you know, we, we kept doing things a little bit differently. By the end of the 10 days, they were eating everything, whether it was Indian or, you know, Middle Eastern, or they were eating everything and they loved it. So I think starting out with what you know, and then kind of adding unusual things is the best way to do it. And they actually were teaching me, I mean, they got in the kitchen and they were cooking with us and they were telling me things and I was telling them things. And it was just, just a lot of food is, I mean, the plant, the plant world is huge. I don't think people realize, I mean, it's just, there's so many things that you can use and artichokes create a fishy flavor, right? You can create fish tacos using artichokes. Who would, who would have known that? I didn't know that. Um, Agar, which is seaweed makes things kind of gel, right? So you can make a cheesecake. I'm trying to think of all the things that are, we, we use butler soy curls, which are made with soybeans and have a kind of a meaty flavor tofu, you can stick it in the air fryer. And now you got something that's chewy. There's just so many things I'm still learning. And I, I'm, I'm sure you are too. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I see a recipe and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I saw this crazy recipe to make um, meat for tacos with um, hibiscus flowers. And um, she, the, this, um, this girl, Ma, um, oh, I don't know, Meryl, Meryl, she was basically she, she simmered the um, hibiscus with uh, onions and garlic and she just let it simmer for hours so that the, the taste would change and then she cooked it. I will send you the link after because it's really extraordinary, but I was like, I'm gonna make this. Who oh, I would have ever thought I'd just use hibiscus for tea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, there's there's just so many things. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of a YouTube now when it comes to food. And, and you know, I, I have to tell you that where I get my ideas from is not the vegan world. <laughs> I go other places. I, I, I dabble with people who cook with meat and who eat, also eat a lot of plants too. So I, I, that's where you learn the most. Um, of course, the vegan community has some great stuff too, but yeah. Yeah, it's all about the spices and the flavors. So that you know, as foodies, we know we just need it needs to needs to really entice the palate to be happy, um, and that you do with different spices and salt. And this is why salt. You know, you need a little bit of salt. I mean, food without salt is just sad. <laughs> so you know what people don't realize with salt, though, you know, you can use a little bit of salt, and it makes the flavors kind of pop, right? But as soon as you put a little bit of lime juice or lemon juice or some kind of a citrus, because that's sour, actually enhances the salt. Mm. And now it just really pops. So you don't have to go crazy with the salt. You, you, you know, you put a little bit on if you need it and then start working with the, the citruses. That was something I learned early on in the, in the um, jump starts because we had people who were had high blood pressure and you don't, you don't want to put yeah. lots of salt in their food. Plus, yeah. I think if, you use, if you're using a lot of salt in your food, you're not tasting your food. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and you don't want to, it'll just a little bit. And also the kind, the right kind of salt, definitely not table salt, which is just sodium. Yeah. 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 Tons of different kinds of salts out there too. So yeah, yeah, totally. I just got into the black salt, making omelets with um, chickpea flour. And uh, the black salt makes it look like egg because it smells yeah. like sulfur. <laughs> a sulfur kind of flavor. Yeah. yeah. So many things. I have had the same bag of black salt in my pantry for probably two years because we just we only use it when we do eggs. Well, not eggs, scrambled tofu. Mm. <laughs> I call them eggs, but they're not scrambled. Yeah, tofu. I do the same. People are like, but you don't need eggs. Oh, you know what I mean. <laughs> it's, 
right, so right. cool, chickpeas. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is beautiful. I could talk about food all day. Um, but let's talk about the actual, um, like the, the company that is Pure Nation. So the the for profit branch and what the the projects are that are coming up with that and what you've done so far and how it's developing. Right. Um, well, our food line, our you, you're talking about the food business, the foods business. So we have um, supermarkets that we're into right now. And I, I wrote them down. Otherwise, I forget them. But Publix, Lowe's, we're talking to Wegmans, um, Fresh Market. We have handhelds like burritos that are just coming in and they're very popular. Things like uh, we have a pizza burrito. We have a samosa burrito. We have a lot of different uh, burritos coming out. We Right now, we currently sell breakfast burritos at Lowe's and at uh, Publix. And then we also have five, I believe we have five entrees. Um, and I couldn't tell you exactly what they are. So, I mean, we have a chili and we have a, a Thai um, sesame noodle. So we have those that are going on and we're always tweaking and changing those. Then the dry line, we're working on more dry line packs. Um, I'm not going to tell you what they are because <laughs> we're not 100% sure, but I am very, very excited about these dry packs because there is one dry pack that I think you could use it 10 different ways. Wow. Um, we've already tried several ways, um, but we're, we're really excited about that. So supporting people, you know, who don't really get in the kitchen and pull out 10, you know, spice jars, things like that. Um, these are, these are wonderful. And I've been using them. I made, I made a mushroom gravy and I sent it over to my daughter and you just add water. She said, mom, this is genius. <laughs> so, so things like that. I'm really, we're really working. I've got several sauces coming out. Yeah. Amazing. And what else is happening outside the food space? Outside the food space, Plant Pure Communities is our nonprofit and we have our media arm. So we're currently working on the film and that's what Nelson's working on upstairs right now and telling the story of the, the last jumpstart that we did, um, talking a little bit about the pandemic and what happened and diving into the pharmaceutical industry a little bit. Um, so that's happening and we're hoping that that film comes out sometime in the fall. There's a, there's a lot to, to making a documentary. And so that's our sequel to Plant Pure Nation. Um, let's see, what else? We've got the pods. Plant Pure Communities has a lot of education. Um, so if you go on their website, they have a lot of things um, that you could, you know, they have square foot gardening, they have um, a restaurant campaign where you can go and talk to your local restaurants and get plant pure meal, uh, plant-based meals on the menu. Um, so there's, there's a lot of projects that are going on at Plant Pure Communities. I, you know, I tend to stick to the culinary. That's yeah. what I do. I stick to the culinary. I, I'm writing this cookbook right now, which comes out December 14th, Plant Pure Comfort. Um, for a year during the pandemic, I did cook-alongs and because I think a lot of people were in their kitchens and I thought well, this is a great time to grab people. And every Thursday night at 6.30, um, I sent people the recipe at the grocery list and we all cooked together. I stopped that about a year later. That was pretty daunting because <laughs> it was live. We were live every Thursday night. And fortunately we never burnt or cut or did anything that where anybody got hurt, but um, we're gonna pick that back up again here soon and, and start doing the culinary. I think that a lot of people need that kind of that handholding as they go through. And, you know, we had a nice little community that would come in every Thursday night, kind of got to know each other, which was nice. 
Um, and what else? I think I think that's pretty much it. That that keeps us crazy busy. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Can you? I, I was looking on the website. Can you tell me a little bit about the RX uh, project that you have? Uh, well, it's not a project, but it's a plan, right? Program. Right. Um, so I found it really interesting. If you can just take me through that a little bit. Yeah. So the RX program is something that physicians um, can can use to give to their patients. It's literally a prescription, and there is a education program in there. It's a it's a like a mini. Uh, series of different videos that we take them through the, from the very beginning to how to start plant-based, how to set up your pantry. We, we dive into the um, science of it a little bit. So that's for the, and then they get every week they get emails. So they get support. Um, they also get they, if they want, they can buy the dry lines with it. So it's a whole sort of prescription education program that uh, doctors can use. Because a lot of doctors, they don't have time to, they don't have time to do this. So, I mean, we, I, I have doctors that we know here that don't, I mean, you, what, they get 15 minutes with a patient. Mm -hmm. So if they, if they have the RX program and they understand how it works, they can prescribe it. Yeah. So, okay. So it needs to be someone that actually understands that nutrition is important, um, yes. necessary. Yeah. And then the RX almost works like a coaching, um, yes. coaching program, right? online coaching program, which is really nice. Brilliant. Yeah. And so you can sign up for that through plant pure nation, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So on that brilliant. Yeah. That's fantastic. I mean, it's so, in, it's so needed. Um, I think, as you said, doctors normally just see patients for about 15 minutes. And what happens is that the patients then might be told, look, you have to eat better, but what does that mean? Right. right? So having no, no guidance is really tough. I mean, when I got into coaching, one of the things that I really loved is working with doctors because they really don't have the time to look after them after the consultation. So they would pass them on to me and try to be uh, to help them um, to deal with, you know, changing their lifestyle. And um, of course, one thing I learned is that people really have to be committed to wanting to do it because, um, you know, without that commitment, it gets sold very quickly and they don't stick to it. And in the UK, the trouble was always the, um, well, the drinking after work for a lot of people. Um, they, they truly did not want to give up their pint. So, um, so working around that was a bit of an interesting journey. Um, but every, yeah. everywhere, you know, it's, uh, you have to find, people have to know their why, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you interested? So you're talking about physicians. And I, I want to say this because I, doctors are good people. I have a, my daughter's a nurse. Um, mm. Nelson's youngest brother is a physician. So doctors are good people. Yeah. Uh, and I try, I mean, it's a profession that is um, very demanding. Uh, they're, they're, they're trying to, you know, to service their patients. But we have this idea that doctors are bad, right? And they're not. I mean, they're they're hardworking. They just don't have this information, and that's in Plant Pure Nation. They they aren't being educated in medical school about nutrition, and they don't have a lot of time on their hands. And they also have a lot of patients, like what you just said. They don't want to make changes. They would rather have the band aid or the, you know the drug. So I think they're working against. They're working upstream a little bit. So you know, my advice to people is take the information into your physician. My physician's not plant-based, but I always take the information to her. I bring her my cookbooks and we, you know, we talk about it. So I think giving your doctor that information 
And, you know, a lot of doctors are very open to this and they're changing, you know, as we speak, there's more and more physicians across the country that are open to plant-based. So I just had to put that little plug in because I think doctors are, are great people and I think that they have hard jobs. So we need to educate them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, um, I, you know, I, I actually, um, I don't know if you know, Dr. Alan Desmond, he wrote um, The Food Revolution, which is all about gut health in the UK. Yeah. And, and he started doing online training for doctors um, to be about nutrition and how that is so important, especially because he's a gastroenterologist. So he sees a lot of digestive issues that are related to food um, and trying to educate doctors, young doctors to say, hey, you know, you might not have the curriculum in school, but actually if you really interested, this is the introduction and you can learn more. And it's really up to you to get to know, um, you know, the system outside the system. And, um, and the other thing is also a lot of people go work for hospitals who have really strict guidelines as to what you can and cannot say. And yes. so they're stuck because if you don't have your private practice where you can like, listen, we're gonna just spend two hours together or an hour together and I'm gonna talk to you about food. They're like, oh, did you prescribe this and this and this? And they need to go through a checklist to see what sticks. And so they don't really have the option because otherwise they get fired. I mean, doctors get out of college with a very hefty bill most of the time, right? So it's a, it's a catch 22. Well, one of the programs that a lot of physicians are taking is the eCornell course through, mm -hmm. um, Nutrition Studies. Uh, that's Collins nonprofit organization, nutritionstudies.org. You can go in there. You can take, that's a great course for physicians. I know Michael, Dr. Michael Clapper's doing moving, moving medicine forward. So he's educating physicians. Um, but, you know, take that information into your physicians, because I think many, many of them are open to it and many aren't, but um, yeah, I think they're, they're very limited. I always tell my daughter, she's a nurse, she works in the neuro floor. And I said, what? you need to tell them this, this, and this. And she said, mom, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. <laughs> so that, you know, they have limitations within yeah. the system that they work in. So. No, I totally relate. My, my mother-in-law is a, is a nurse too. So um, mm -hmm. she's older as she's older, obviously. So she, she's a, she doesn't want to retire, but she could. And, um, and, you know, she, she's stuck because the information we share with her uh, since going plant-based uh, it's um it's hard for her to comprehend because she's not exposed to it and the doctors that she works with that are older are not exposed to it or have never been so they really don't relate but she's noticing a lot of younger nurses going in who are plant based so that's a positive positive thing uh because now she sees them eating in a certain way and being lean and um keeping the energy up because it's a demanding job to be a nurse very very demanding so energy is necessary. And I think she's starting to see it. So she started seeing a coach. Um, so that's very good. And I believe uh, the coach is plan-based um, from what I heard from my husband. So I am, I'm hoping that, well, she knows she's introducing more vegetables. So that's a good thing. Um, and buying less processed foods. Um, you know, it's, um, it's a little steps, right? It's very little steps that she has to take. And it's hard to change habits that have been ingrained for many years. So it's easy to change to mold youngsters than uh, maybe an aging population because of that. Because they're like, oh, I got to 80, I got to 70 without dying. I mean, this is fine. <laughs> so they don't really think you could have been feeling 10,000 times better though. <laughs> 
Yeah, I do think our popular. I do think that young people are more open to this. There's, you know, I think they're they're thinking about climate change and they're mm-hmm. thinking about animals and, I, yeah, I think there's a lot of young people that are very open to this. Um, so yeah, the world is changing. Probably that, not fast enough, but it is changing. So, yeah. yeah. The glass is half full. You have to you have to look at life that way. So, I, I do think we have a lot of things to be thankful for. But I, I think we need to, is you know, when you do when you do go plant based and you get passionate, you know, keep spreading that message. Don't stop. You know, just because someone's not interested, keep doing it. Keep talking to people. Um, you know, because it's important. You can't. We can't give up. My yeah. father-in-law is probably the most um, persistent man I know. He never gives up. <laughs> he has come across more roadblocks in his career. And so I admire him for that. He just he just um, never gives up. No, I really love Dr. Campbell. You know what I, I like about him is that he, he never, he's uh, emotional, like he, he's heartful about the things that he believes in. Believes in, but he's never emotional in a negative way where he, he loses it. He's very calm and he's, he's very serious about it. It's like, I know what I'm talking about. So you know you can trust him. And I like that. And, you know, he's, he's reasonable and, um, you know, and, and he's very realistic about what's going on. Like we talked about a little bit food politics. And I think we, we wasn't really, we didn't really plan on going into that direction, but it's something that we really couldn't not talk about because when it comes to why is this truth not understood? Why is the information that you finding that you're sharing that can potentially save lives? Why is this not everywhere? That is that roadblock of interest from certain people, certain parties. So he knows. And and that's a nice thing that even if he knows and he knew that, you know, going against these kind of institutions would be problematic at some point, he did it anyway. And that, that is bravery, you know, that is how you change the world. And I think the work that Nelson and you do with plant-based, plant uh, pure nation is that you actually also highlighting the need for community because the grassroots movements where, whether it's, you know, a company or it's a non-for-profit, whatever the, it is, community is the the core of change because realistically when we are really relying on an institution that we will never see talk to and just get you know information through many other parties that are so distant and disconnected from the communities we never get solutions because every community has a different issue and so if you work within that the pods probably show you that that every pods will tackle things in a different way because they're exposed to different issues and um, this is really the solution, like bring it back to basics. Let's have small communities here in Portugal. We are growing our own food and um, learning how to do that. We were, ex- we were very bad at it. We killed um, two seasons of plants easily. <laughs> so we, we learned this time. We're like, okay, because we have a lot of weeds and the weeds always win. And, um, you know, we're like, ah, damn it. Uh, and now we have realized that we actually have to do everything in, um, in raised beds so that we don't have to deal with the weeds and everything is going fine. Then we had to, we had this really change in, in weather, you know, talking about climate change. We had this massive change in temperature very, very swiftly this month. It's like July. And, um, and the, the plants suffered and we were not really thinking about it. And we had to upper the, the watering. So there are so many things that one can learn. And if you work in a community and you work all together 
and growing the food for the community and make it fun. It can be an empowering journey. And really realistically, the most life-giving thing is plants, right? Because I always say you are a plant will never really die. A plant will always give you uh, life because you feel great, but also a, a plant can regenerate. If you take a, a like, I don't know, broccoli flower, that plant will make more broccoli until, you know, it's come to the end of the cycle, but you're never ending that life. And it's a, it's a pleasure to work with that versus, you know, animals, sadly, when you kill an animal, you're ending a cycle, you're ending the life, there's nothing out of it. So the kindness that comes with a positive approach with that food, it's inspiring. And I think when you get into that, you just want to do more and more and more and the community benefits from that kind of energy. Yeah. That's beautifully said, Chantal. That's beautiful. I, mean, I couldn't have said it better, but it's, it's really true. Uh, you know, reconnecting with your com community, learning those things um, is, is key, especially since we just came out of a pandemic. I think just people are just itching to connect and bond. We need that. It's, we're, we're social animals. And I think yeah. just, you know, stepping out and doing that is really, really important. I miss my people. <laughs> I bet. I mean, it was difficult, you know, it was very hard for a lot of people. It's, um, yeah, hopefully everything now will pick up again. And I really truly hope that you can do more online only because being far away, we can benefit from it. So the internet has very good positive things about it. Um, but of course, um, seeing people in person is just a very different experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but this is this is great too. And we we we've had the opportunity to meet so many people all across the globe. So it's it's wonderful. I just um I I think there's a balance. <laughs> yeah. Just being able to connect and meet people and teach. I that that's in my blood. I I love teaching and I like having classes. So hopefully we'll get back to that soon. But I, I love your that you, you said that so beautifully. You really did. You hit it. Thank you. Well, I want to end on a light note about one question that is very personal and hopefully you can answer. Was the wedding vegan? Yes, it was Yay. vegan. <laughs> it wasn't even a, you know how you go to a wedding and, and there's always a, a vegan option and yeah. it's just like some kind of roasted vegetable. We didn't give them an option. People had to eat vegan. So our, our uh, rehearsal dinner was vegan. We had a fella in town um, who is an Indian chef. And he's wonderful. He did so many different things. I don't even know what the names of everything were, um, but he, he did a great job. I did tell him, I said, could you just use less oil, just a little bit of oil, not much. And, and it was pretty good. I mean, it was oily. I mean, there was oil in it. I don't say it's oily, but um, it was good. It was good. The kids are, my kids are plant-based. So my, my youngest who got married, um, they were pretty adamant about having a vegan wedding. So that's perfect oh, that's awesome I like that thank you Kim this was so much fun I love talking about food and you're very inspiring and I just really hope that everything is um, going to go viral because I mean the, the documentary was fabulous it's a good eye-opener the program I think is necessary especially the one with doctors and um, the merchandise obviously is awesome I do like that you are really partnering with champions it's just a shame that you guys are not in Europe because getting things here is a pain but my a lot of my audience are in the US and so they really should support because it goes towards a very good cause and um, you know you you need resources to promote projects like this and to be fair if we have to spend money towards these massive corporations and give 
not much care for the for the people that they produce for why not support those who actually do care so i really uh, will put all the information in the show notes so people know where to go and uh, i really look forward to chatting again especially when the new uh, documentary is out yeah nelson's your next person because he can really speak to a lot of the things that you want to talk about in your nation so but but he i will i will tell you he's just um passionate passionate like his father about getting this message out there and getting food to people so that they know how to do this but and, and educating people so i i can't wait until you can have nelson on here because he can speak to that too and he's always spinning a story so that's great he's um, up there right now spinning his stories so. <laughs> i look forward to that yeah. thank you i'll talk to you very soon have a great great day you too bye-bye Thank you, Kim, and thank you, everyone, for staying on. Make sure you check out Plant Pure Nation and make sure to support them. Buy the books. Try to really get in touch uh, with every community you can, especially if you're in the U.S., if you want to create those pods. And please do check out the documentary if you haven't watched it. It was really, really good. So if you enjoyed this episode, of course, as always, please rate it, share it, and review it. And we'll see you.